Welcome to the Mountain Park Church Podcast. We're excited to share this week's message with you. Our mission is to allow God to work in and through us, and we'd love to hear your story of how God has been working in or through you. Email us at mystory@mp.church and tell us how God has been working in and through you. Hey everyone, welcome to Sunday House Church Online. My name is Brenda, I'm one of the pastors at Mountain Park and we are really happy to have you here with us today as we continue on in our Restart series. And we've been in this series for a little while now and we've been talking about how our lives are meant to carry on the ministry of Jesus and the different aspects of that and how it plays out in our daily life. And Pastor Andrew was talking for a few weeks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and how those gifts are used and and how they're used in operation in the church and in our personal lives. And then last week, we touched on that part about binding the brokenhearted and getting into the heart work that's necessary in order to produce the fruit of the Spirit in our life. And so today, we are talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And this is not, um, you know, a list of, of behaviors or things that we need to measure up to, things that we need to do. You know, we probably remember from Sunday school or even, you know, in school, if you're my age, um, those little cards like be kind and be thankful with little bees flying on them. It's like we're supposed to just try harder to measure up to this certain standard and to be a certain kind of person. But that's really not what the fruit of the Spirit is about at all. And so we're going to jump into this today and really unpack what the fruit of the Spirit is, how it works in our life. We're gonna go through each one individually and talk about them a little bit, and then um, just reveal for all of us what this work is in our lives. So I wanna start by reading this good chunk of scripture in Galatians 5, uh, where we find the list of the fruit of the Spirit. So we're gonna jump in, we're gonna read the scripture, and then we're gonna talk about what this means for us. So if you've got your Bibles, I want you to open them up. And if you maybe have your Bible app or your computer out, you can open up whatever you use for the Bible in front of you. And we can read through this um, portion of scripture together. So Galatians 5, we're starting in verse 13, and we're going to read right through to 26. So let's go. (laughs) It says, For you were called to be free, brothers and sisters, Only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. That's an important part. We're going to get into that because love is one of the fruits of the Spirit. But I think it was put first for a reason because our whole motivation for life, our whole motivation for wanting to get into this stuff has to be love. We serve one another through love for the whole law is fulfilled in one statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out, or you will be consumed by one another. I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other so that you don't do what you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. 
Now, the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything else that's similar. I'm warning you about these things, as I warned you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against these things. Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. So as I said, this is not a list of behavior modification. It's not like I'm trying not to do those works of the flesh and I'm trying really hard to do the works of the Spirit. It's not like that at all. And if we end up in that sort of place, it's all striving and self-effort and trying to carry out this life in our own capacity and in our own power. And that's actually super frustrating and it's exhausting and it's futile. We'll never be able to live up to this list in our own effort. We were not actually like created to do this. It's the work of the Holy Spirit in us that does this. When we trust our own flesh, our own desires, our own will, we're going to go off track every single time. We have to learn how to walk in step with the Spirit and allow the Spirit to produce this fruit in us. This is the character and nature of Christ being formed in us. And the evidence that the Spirit of God is at work in our life is the fruit of the Spirit. It's how other people around you can see that God is actually transforming your life. It's how the world can see that God cares for his people, his children, and actually transforms them and changes their life into something that is admirable and influential in this world. The fruit of the Spirit is never dependent upon external factors. The things going on around us in life will often reveal what's going on inside of us, but our internal world should not be dependent on our external world. The work of the Holy Spirit is to actually change our internal world, changing our heart, beginning in our heart. That actually begins to change how we talk. It begins to change our actions, our choices, and our behaviors because the work has been done in our heart. We talked about this last week. That work of the heart is so important. If we don't get down into those heart issues, if we don't get to the bottom of what's going on in our emotional life and and in areas where we are acting in the flesh, if we don't get to the bottom of that and actually allow the Spirit to bring healing and life in those areas, we'll never be able to walk this stuff out and actually be transformed by the Spirit. A tree, if you think about a tree, it doesn't toil and it doesn't labor to produce fruit. If the conditions are right, if the soil is good and the conditions are good, that tree is just going to grow. And an apple seed is going to produce apples on the tree. It's not uh, rocket science. Nothing's going to change. You don't get oranges and bananas off of an apple tree. You get apples. 
And so if you're living your life in step with the Spirit, if you're walking with the Spirit of God, if you're in step with Him and you're listening and you're allowing Him to bring conviction and correction and allowing him, yourself to be led by the Spirit, you're going to produce the fruit that the Spirit wants to produce in your life. It's that simple. We have to be able to crucify our own desires, put away our old self, our old flesh, and walk in step with the Spirit. The fruit of our life reveals what's been going on in our hearts. So if we've been doing this hard heart work, if we've been getting down to the roots of those things, what's happening in our life is going to be evidence that we've been working at a heart level. God loves the idea of seeds. All throughout Scripture, we see um, these images of seeds and how things grow from a seed. And in 1 Peter 1.23, the Bible says, You have been born again, not of a perishable seed, but an imperishable seed through the living and enduring word of God. You were born again with this seed in your heart. That's why every time you hear the word, every time you hear a good message, every time you read scripture, every time you're with God and he's revealing things to you, it resonates deep inside of you because there's a seed in your heart that wants to grow. It wants to grow into this tree that can offer and produce fruit and offer covering and protection for people around you. It's actually one of the ways the kingdom of God is advanced here in the earth. And I'm... I'm we have to get into this, um, this state of believing and thinking about our life as, as the seed that's wanting to grow. And our heart is actually the soil that offers all of the right conditions for that seed to grow. We learned about this in the parable of the sower. When Jesus explained the different kinds of soil where his seed would fall, one of them was good soil that would produce fruit. So this is our responsibility in this picture. Yes, the Spirit is at work. Yes, the Spirit is the one who produces the fruit. He's the one who does the, the work. But our side of it is that our hearts are good soil for the Word of God. That our hearts are always soft and surrendered to what it is God wants to do in our life. So that as we receive the Word, we position ourselves to receive that it actually goes down deep, it grows roots in our heart, and it can grow into that fruitful tree in our life, that image of a fruitful tree. The Word of God was implanted in our hearts and desires to grow through the careful prompting, leading, and correction of the Holy Spirit. That seed wants to grow, and it's the Holy Spirit who helps us to do that. The Spirit convicts us of all of our sins and leads us into repentance. He leads us into all truth and reminds us of Jesus' words of truth over our life. And He helps us to grow. He knows exactly what it is you need to deal with right now in your life in order to see fruitful growth and take you to the next level. And then he knows what you need when you get there. And he knows what you need next after that. He's the one. He is our counselor. His counsel is good. He is our advocate because he can come alongside of us and he knows the truth from the Father and he can speak it into our situation. We need the presence of the Holy Spirit to do this work in us and in our hearts. It's our responsibility to keep our hearts soft 
and surrendered to the work of the Spirit and be sure that we are good soil for the growth that He wants to bring in our lives. That's our part. The Spirit works with us to do the rest. It's a partnership together. Our responsibility and choices that we make to allow ourselves to walk in step with the Spirit and the, what comes out of that produces the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. This is one of the greatest leadership qualities ever. This is what we look for in good leaders, is that we want them to have the right attitude of the heart. When I'm looking for leaders to lead with me and, and under me, even here at the church, I'm not looking for people who have it all together. I'm not looking for people whose lives are perfect. I'm looking for those whose hearts are soft and surrendered to what God wants to do. I'm looking for humility. I'm looking for people who can own their mistakes, their failures and their faults and be able to take responsibility for them and actually begin to apply the word of God and grow in those areas of their lives. I'm not concerned about perfection. Nobody's perfect. And I don't want a leader who's perfect. I want a leader whose heart is in the right place. That's why I love being here at Mountain Park and I love working with and for Pastor Andrew because I've, I've known him for nearly 10 years now and I've seen what God has done in his heart and I've seen the fruit of it in his life. And I've been in meetings with him where he's willing to admit his faults and actually walk in humility with the people around him. He doesn't always get it right. I don't always get it right. But if we're walking with gentleness and humility with each other, we can actually grow from the things, you know, where we fail or have made the wrong choices. We can grow from those things and become better people. Those are the kind of people I want to be around. Those are the kind of people I want to lead with. And here's something I want to say to you. Some of you are supposed to be life group leaders. You're supposed to be leading a connect group. And you are sitting there going, I, you know, I don't have it all together. I don't think that I can do that. Can I just tell you something? You don't have to have it all together. You just have to have your heart in the right place. You have to be willing to be able to say, I don't know the answer, but let's find it together. I'm not sure what to do next, but let's figure it out together. All we need is people who are humble and surrender to the Spirit of God, and they can lead others in that. That's the kind of heart stuff that we're looking for here at the church and what I look for in leadership. It's what I, uh, we're attracted to that. I think we're all attracted to that kind of leadership. It's powerful. So when the Spirit of God is at work in someone's life, it will produce this fruit, these unmistakable traits of the Spirit. So I just wanna walk us through these fruits of the Spirit one by one and just sort of take a look at what they actually mean. Because when you read through the list, kindness, gentleness, goodness, they all kind of sound the same. So what are they specifically and how do they relate to our lives in a very precise and specific way? How do we live these out every day? So the first one is love. And I don't think it's the first one by mistake. I think it's actually really important. As we were reading in the scripture at the beginning, he talks a little bit about that greatest commandment, which is to love others. We have to be able to be motivated by love. If we're not, the Bible says we're like 
you know, you can have all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You can have faith that moves mountains. You can have all of the knowledge in the world, but if you don't have love, you're like a clanging symbol. You're like just noise if you're not motivated by love to bring that stuff to partner with God and build the kingdom of God. Love has to be our base motivation for everything. This is our baseline for all of the fruit of the Spirit. And so I don't believe that it's a mistake that it begins with this um, idea of love and how we exercise love in our lives. And so we have to be able to perceive God's love and receive his love before we can release it to other people. We have to know what his love looks like. We have to be able to see it clearly at all times, receive it into our own lives, live as loved children of God, and then we can begin to release that love to others. That's how it works to flow through us. First we receive it, it works in us, and then we can release it to other people. This is a powerful and important thing that we learn to live by love. I want to also note that the last fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Now, that seems a little odd because it does seem like that would be like behavior modification, but it's not. Self-control is actually what Paul talked about throughout the New Testament when he talked about crucifying our flesh. This is putting away with my own desires. It's laying aside everything that I want, my expectations, the things that I would desire, and picking up the heart of God for the situation that I'm in, and being able to be self-disciplined and self-controlled in those moments. Galatians 5.24 says, Because we belong to Christ Jesus, we have killed our selfish feelings and desires. That's what self-control is. Because we know we belong to Christ, because we are secure in our place in Him, we can lay down all of our own desires. We can say no to all of the things that we want in our life and say yes to where the Spirit is leading us to go. That's self-control. And so I love that these fruits of the Spirit are sort of bookend by beginning with love and ending with self-control, where we would crucify our own flesh and live by love to serve others. It's sort of these two bookends to the fruit of the Spirit. So the second fruit of the Spirit is joy. And this is joy that despite my circumstances, joy can be a constant undertone in my life. It doesn't have to be that everything is happy and going well in my life or even around me for me to experience joy. The joy that comes from the work of the Spirit in our life, being transformed from the inside out, that joy is anchored in an eternal perspective. It understands the work of God behind the scenes. It's a heart that can always sense and see the activity of God. Even if it feels like God has been silent and distant, I know he's at work and I trust him. And so I can have joy inside of my heart, even in the darkest of times and in difficult times. Joy is about having an eternal perspective and being fixed on heaven and eternity, knowing where we came from and where we're headed. That's what gives us joy in this moment, in this world. And the eternal perspective 
that we carry that allows us to have joy in any moment is this. God is good. He is always at work and he's going to make everything right in the end. That's a simple way that I sort of bring my thoughts back to being joyful if they go off the rails is to have this eternal perspective. God is good. He's always good. No matter what I see, no matter what's happening in my life, God is good. He's always actively at work. Whether I can sense it or feel it or know what's happening in the moment, doesn't matter. I know he's always at work and I know he's going to make everything right for me in the end. That's the eternal perspective that brings joy into our hearts. The second one on the list there, or actually the third, because love was the first one, is peace. So no matter what storms or chaos are happening around me or in my life, my family, no matter how close they come to me, we can live in peace. Just like Jesus sleeping in the boat in the middle of the storm, he experienced such a peace. And I believe that's in knowing that God's got me. I can trust him. I can have peace in my heart knowing that um, my identity and who I am is anchored in eternity. I don't have to worry about this current moment and the storm I see around me. My heart is anchored in God. This inner peace, the Bible talks about it being peace of heart and peace of mind. Jesus talked about that when he said, my peace I'm leaving with you. I'm giving you peace. It's a gift. He said peace of heart and peace of mind. He was careful to say both of those things. And Paul later on in some of his writing unpacks this and he talks about having peace of heart and peace of mind as well. And here's what I believe. I believe peace of heart is having nothing between us and God and nothing between us and other people. That our life is like an open book. We're not hiding anything. We're not allowing shame to have any territory in our life or sin. And there's nothing blocking or standing in the middle of my relationship with God or my relationship with other people. That's how I have peace of heart. If we allow things to sit in our lives, hidden things, secret things, shameful things, we're never going to have peace. We're never going to have peace with God and we're never going to have peace with other people. And then he promises us peace of mind. That's a release of all my worries and my fears to God, to be able to trust that he's got this that I don't have to spend all of my time in fearful anxiety, worrying about what's going on, that I can just trust that God has me, he's got this all of the time. That's peace of mind, that I can just allow that uh, to be in his hands. Romans 8, 6 says, the mind that is governed by the spirit is life and peace. When we allow the spirit of God to govern our mind and our thoughts, it brings peace into our lives. The next fruit is patience. This is the opposite of being short-tempered. It isn't about, you know, necessarily about learning how to wait a long time for the promises of God. That's not really the patience in this scenario. This is being patient with people. It's being long-tempered or long-suffering with people. It's actually... Um, about having compassion. Christ had immense patience with me. I haven't always gotten things right in my life. And God has been so gracious 
and patient with me? Why wouldn't I extend that grace and patience to other people? To have compassion on them when they're struggling. To understand that it's not a personal thing. That it's sin and shame and all this other stuff that comes into our lives. To be able to see people are broken and have compassion for them. Because Christ had so much patience with me, I can express that patience to others. It's that realization that God has done so much in my life. I can only imagine how much good it would do to express that to others. 1 Timothy 1.16 says, I have received mercy for this reason, so that in me, the worst of them, Paul's saying, I'm the worst of all of these, Christ Jesus might demonstrate his extraordinary patience as an example to those who would believe in him for eternal life. Christ Jesus might demonstrate his extraordinary patience by working in our lives. What a beautiful picture that is. And we can walk in that same patience with other people. The next fruit of the Spirit is kindness, or depending on your translation, it might say gentleness. And it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance and does not judge us. That's kindness. And that's the same kind of thing that we can express to others and having compassion for them again in their brokenness, but without judgment. Understanding that we were broken too, and that we needed God's kindness and compassion to reach into our life and to free us from those things that had held us captive. Romans 2, 4 says, Do you despise the riches of his kindness, restraint, and patience, not recognizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? Because of your hardened and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself. So, in this, the, the wider part of the scripture, he's talking about um, judgment and being critical and judgmental of other people in their walk and how God's leading them and maybe even sometimes voicing that to other people. And he's saying, look, don't you understand that God's kindness led you to repentance and it can lead other people to repentance too? It's not criticism and judgment that's going to lead people to repentance. In fact, that actually pushes them away. It's kindness that draws them in. It's kindness that draws us close to the heart of God. And that kindness was expressed to us through the person of Jesus and can now be expressed in this world through our lives when we allow the Spirit to produce this fruit in us. The next fruit of the Spirit is goodness. People who recognize and express the goodness of God in their everyday lives. They've matured to a place where they desire goodness to be expressed in everything that they do. 2 Thessalonians 1.11 says this, We constantly pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and that by his power he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. So 
There are desires that I believe this, the Spirit brings into our life, desires to do good, desires to be faithful, desires to live out the call of God on our life and to do these great and amazing things. And he says, that's a good thing, that you want to express my goodness in this world, that people could actually see the goodness of the Father expressed in our lives. The next fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness. This is being dependable, trustworthy, and consistent in our character. When people can trust you, when they can trust your heart, it helps them to learn that they can trust God. Because listen, so many of us have had our trust broken by people who we put our trust in. People, sometimes even our own parents or, you know, uh, teachers, leaders, people who we trusted and that trust was broken, it's taught us not to trust anybody. There's a lot of people who don't trust anyone. And we can help people to learn to trust God because we tend to um, put that onto God as well. When we don't trust people, we tend to project that onto God and we don't really trust Him either. And we'll never get anywhere if we can't trust the character and nature of God. So we need to be the kind of people who allow the Spirit to work in us so that we become trustworthy people, so that we are safe people and people can actually experience the faithfulness of God in us. Proverbs 3.3 says, Never let loyalty and faithfulness leave you. Never let it leave you. Tie them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. Listen, consistency is important. This area of faithfulness, it's so important that we're consistent in our character. And that doesn't always mean that we get it right. Like I said earlier, it, it's not about perfection. It's about consistently having a heart that is soft and surrendered to what God wants to do. Consistently being humble. Consistently being able to say, examine my heart. Consistently gentle and humble with other people. That that consistency in our character, that faithfulness in our character is at a heart level. That it's, that it's at, at the soft and surrendered goodness of our heart. Not perfection, but a heart issue. The next one is gentleness which may be meekness or even humility. It may be defined or translated in your translation as meekness. This is gentleness, laying down our defensiveness and our pride and our insecurities and choosing to walk in gentleness. Matthew eleven twenty nine says, take up my yoke and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. It's Jesus who teaches us how to be gentle, how to walk in gentleness with people. And can I tell you this? I think that um, we think sometimes that, that being gentle is being weak, but gentleness actually takes a lot of strength. Jesus never felt like he needed to defend himself or fight back against his accusers. He was actually often very quiet, didn't respond, and was able to walk in gentleness with people. Proverbs 15.1 says, A gentle answer turns away anger, but a harsh word stirs up wrath. 
You know, we have opportunities all of the time to walk in gentleness and to say a gentle word in a situation where anger and frustration is being built up. We can say something gentle that just diffuses the entire situation. Our gentleness can actually have an effect on the room that we're in and the people that we are with. Gentleness has a way of doing that, and it's not weak. It's actually powerful and influential when we're able to walk in the kind of gentleness that Jesus walked in himself. This is actually spiritual warfare. We've heard Pastor Andrew talk about this before. The gifts of the Spirit, or sorry, the fruit of the Spirit are actually opportunities to do spiritual warfare because when we walk in the fruit, when the fruit is produced in our life, and we are walking according to the Spirit, in step with the Spirit, and we're exercising faithfulness and gentleness and patience and kindness with people, we leave no room for the enemy to wiggle into our relationships and bring destruction. We leave no room for him. That's spiritual warfare right there for you. We uh, open the opportunity for God to work and bring restoration and healing in those places instead of opportunity for the enemy to get in and to lie and to bring um, destruction and desolation. When we walk in the fruit of the Spirit, when we walk in step with the Spirit, we're going to war in the spiritual realm. And when the nature of God is expressed in and through our lives, it's actually a way that heaven invades earth. It's a way that God partners with us to bring the realities of heaven, to bring the realities of his character and his nature and who he is into our earth and begin to invade what was uh, driven by fleshly desires and our own passion and desires and bring the spirit of God into every circumstance we are in. When Jesus walked in the room, he carried all of these attributes with him. He walked in with a presence of gentleness and peace and kindness and love. He didn't have to muster it up from somewhere like sometimes we do. He carried those things. And when we allow the Spirit to work deeply in our hearts and in our lives, we begin to carry these things too. And we can actually affect the spiritual atmosphere in the rooms that we walk into. And we can influence the people who are in those rooms and in our lives, in our family, in our homes, in our friends, wherever God places us, we can have influence from the kingdom of heaven when we walk in the fruit of the Spirit. It's how heaven invades earth. And people actually can learn about and glean from the goodness of God when they see the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. They can actually understand that God is faithful and trustworthy when they see people who are faithful and trustworthy. They can understand that Jesus is patient and kind and compassionate when they see that in us. They can, can begin to understand the unconditional love of the Father when they see it in Christian people. This is why we are meant to carry this stuff into our world. We get the opportunity to steward the spiritual atmosphere around us by releasing what God has done in us. It's a way of having an effect in this world and it's powerful. I love this, it's so exciting. Jesus carried these things and we can carry them too. Jesus' presence changed 
the places that he walked into. It changed the people that he encountered because of what he carried with him. And we have the same opportunity, but people will respond in two different ways. They responded in two different ways to Jesus. They will respond in two different ways to us. They will either respond with opposition and resistance, or they will respond with surrender and receptiveness. Jesus experienced the same thing. People were either like, pushing back and like, no, this is too much. I can't take it. I don't understand it. Or they leaned in and they received. And that's what we're looking for. We're looking for those people who will lean in and receive from the, how the Spirit has worked in our life and what we have to offer and to give when we come in the room. Resistance when you meet resistance, when you walk in these attributes of God, you have to just leave it, let it alone and let God deal with it. But when you encounter receptiveness, you can always go to a greater depth of relationship and find restoration and healing in relationships and with people. What an opportunity. Jesus lived with the presence of the Holy Spirit, leading, guiding, and directing his every move. And we need the presence of the Holy Spirit too, to do this work in our lives. He didn't operate in his own flesh or desires. He was surrendered to the work that the Spirit wanted to do in his life. And the fruit was evident. We need to do the same thing. And like I said before, when the fruit is evident in our lives, other people get to glean from the goodness of God and what he has done in our lives and through us. They get to see the kindness and faithfulness and love of God in a real and tangible way in our lives. What an opportunity this is to advance the kingdom of God. And as we close and end this message here today, I actually just wanna pray over you and pray together because I was inspired by this that I wanna be a better reflection of God in the world around me. I want these character and nature attributes of his heart to be reflected through my life. I want to carry kindness and gentleness when I walk in the room. I wanna have more patience and compassion with people so that they can come to know God in a greater capacity in their own lives. I want this for my life and I hope that you want it too. And I just wanna pray in the end here that God would help us to live by these things. So Father God, we come before you right now and I just ask God that wherever it is that we're sitting, that you can be at work in our lives, that you are prompting things in us right now. Maybe one of these fruits really stuck out to us as an area of growth and an area where you've been trying to work and just sort of pinpointing things in our life, but we haven't allowed you into that space. We haven't allowed um, ourselves to actually crucify our own flesh and walk by the Spirit in that area of our life. So Father, whatever it is you're putting your finger on right now, I pray that you would help us to learn how to surrender in that area, to be soft in that area of our lives and to allow you to move in that area. Change us, transform us from the inside out. Make us into people who can carry your presence into this world and have an influence in people's lives because we carry the power and the presence of God with us. Would you make us into those people, Jesus? We wanna be soft and surrendered to your will in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for joining us this morning for Sunday House Church. It was my pleasure to be with you and we'll see you again next week. 
We hope that you are challenged and inspired by what you heard today and that you're willing to allow God to work in and through your life in bigger ways this week. We'd love to stay connected with you on social media, facebook.com slash mountainparkchurch and instagram.com slash mountainparkchurch. Finally, if you have a story of how God has been working in and through you, we'd love to hear it. Just email us at mystory@mp.church and tell us how God has been working in your life lately.